rather than jump in with your wedding planning with a budget, you should first start with your life budget. Education is empowering. We wanted to inspire people to feel holy themselves when they decided to get married. We love love. Karen and I are both like super romantic people at heart. We both identify as feminists. And yet this industry was telling us who to be and how to look and all of these things that just didn't vibe with who we were. From Knowledge and Empowerment Platform, The Daily Pretty, I'm Hayley Payne, and this is Be The Girl Podcast. This is a podcast for anyone who is ready to step out of their comfort zone, realize their true capabilities, and gain the knowledge, confidence, and skills to realize their true passions and follow their dreams. We cover topics from career, wellness, business, mindset, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle. We get real about how to realize your goals, dreams, and aspirations through conversations jam-packed with real-life experiences and advice that is relatable and actionable straight from women who are living it and they want to share it all with you. Each episode will give you actionable steps and resources that you can realistically implement to work for you, whatever you are manifesting and cultivating. Welcome to Be The Girl podcast because we've got this and we've got just what you need on Be The Girl. Welcome back to Be The Girl podcast. Today is a first for the show, my first interview with two guests, which I can't believe I haven't done this already. I'm so thrilled to welcome co-authors Michelle Billadeau and Karen Cleveland to the show, who have just released the new wedding book, A Guide to Ditching All the Rules, published by Dundurn Press. We are chatting all about how Michelle and Karen met as co-workers, became friends, and are now co-authors. What it is really like writing a book and getting published, plus a deep dive into how weddings have gotten out of control, advice for couples to get back to planning a wedding that is meaningful to them, plus budget hacks and much, much more. This is a must listen for anyone who is planning a wedding or if you are newly engaged and will be planning one in the future. Let's get into the conversation. Hey, Karen. Hey, Michelle. Welcome to Be The Girl podcast. Hey, Haley. It's actually afternoon for you guys. You're joining me from Toronto today. Um, Of course, Mm -hmm. I'm here based in Australia. So How's your day been? You're wrapping up, coming to the end of your week. What's been going on? How's things for you guys yeah. over there? Things are good. We were just talking in Toronto. It's finally uh, starting to warm up here a bit. So we just had a really lovely sunny day. We both got to spend some time outside, which was incredible. We're in a bit of a state of lockdown still in Ontario, where we're from in Toronto. So having like having it be nice and warm out just sort of feels like we're coming back to a little bit of normalcy, which is really good. That's amazing. We're definitely getting some cooler weather here, which is nice too. Mm. How has the lockdown been? We were just chatting about it briefly Mm. before we jumped on. How have you been managing, coping since it's been such a long time (laughs) with that? (laughs) It's it's been so long. Yeah, I'd say like we're coping. That's a really appropriate word. I don't think anyone's like excelling or killing it after 14 months and varying states of lockdowns. It's, it's really difficult, but I, 
I feel really privileged that I got my health and my family's healthy and my friends are healthy. Vaccines are rolling out pretty quickly. So there's Mm. some reasons to be hopeful. Definitely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. So we have a very exciting chat and I'm excited because this is the first time I've had two guests on the show. So this is a bit of a first for me as well. So welcome. And today we are talking all about your new book it's called the new wedding book a guide to ditching all the rules and this book is to inspire couples to plan their weddings in a way that's meaningful to them so debunking manufactured traditions advocating for realistic budgets and confronting the crushing pressure that often exists for weddings to be perfect first of all how did you meet how do you know each other and then find yourselves to be co-authors Karen and I met gosh around 2008 we were both working at a publishing company in Canada in Toronto I was managing editor of one of the fashion magazines here at the time and Karen was working on the marketing PR side and one day she popped over to my desk and asked for like dating advice and if we could go for lunch. And I still am like, why did she come to me for dating advice? Because I definitely did not have a good track record. But yeah, we went for lunch and we bonded over, you know, boys and stuff. And then, yeah, we've just been friends ever since. So you were colleagues in that mm-hmm. situation and then developed a friendship from there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I how- asked her for her advice because she's a smoke show babe. So I figured, <laughs> <laughs> she has some experience how did that dating advice go was it <laughs> did it work out <laughs> great advice not a great guy fair enough now I'm going to switch it up because as I mentioned in the intro this is the first time I have had two guests on the show which is pretty crazy considering how many episodes we've done now but as you are the, the first time we've had two guests, I'd love for you to actually introduce each other. So Michelle, if you could introduce Karen and then vice versa. Yeah, I love that you're making us do this. I think this is awesome. So Karen is like, she's my like tough as nails friend. She's the like, she'd help me hide the body friend, but she's also got like a very gooey, loving, loving center. She takes really good care of her friends and I'm lucky to be one of them. She also is a kick-ass marketer by day. And then she is also a very badass mom to two. And she just had her second, like just over a month ago. And I am in awe of how awesome she has been while we're trying to promote our book baby she literally has an actual baby tethered to her body so I just think she's incredible that is incredible thank you so much that's so fun oh my gosh Michelle you're making me blush and I literally if you can hear the grunts in the background that is said baby tethered to my body nursing like that's not a metaphor she's literally a barnacle what's what's her name Her, her name is Lucy oh Hey, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> she says, what's up? Um, oh my gosh. Michelle is an extraordinary person. She's a mom mentor for me. She's a great mom to an amazing little girl that my son is obsessed with. She's super fashionable and stylish, like always ahead of the trend. It's just like low-key cool. She's the friend that you text. You're like, what are you wearing? Tell me what to put together in my closet tonight. She's as honest as the day is long. 
She's a hella talented writer and editor, but after she sort of been there, done that in the Canadian media scene, Michelle went back to school to become a psychotherapist. So she'll keep me honest. I think she's in year two of her five-year program. Is that right, Michelle? Yeah, I'm just finishing my second year. (laughs) Yeah, so she's as brilliant as she is, talented and super lucky to call her a friend and a co-author. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Thank you for that very honest, uh, genuine And I think it really shows the special friendship that you guys have. And no doubt a lot of that has contributed into this book as well. We've been talking about 2021, the challenges with the pandemic still going on and then Mm -hmm. also having babies and also studying as well and working and then promoting a book. So I'd love to know what is your vibe mantra and energy that you're bringing into the rest of 2021? Yeah. Also another great question for me, my whole like vibe is just, I keep reminding myself, like you're doing a good job. If you're keeping your kid alive, your relationship with your partner is going well, you know, you're, you're healthy. You're, I'm still like able to study and and get stuff done, get some promo done here and there. The rest of it kind of just doesn't, I try not to let it like phase me anymore. Like the world is such a mess right now. I'm trying to just kind of focus on like the beautiful aspects of, of things and trying to appreciate, just trying to appreciate life and, and just allowing things to be a little bit messy and knowing that like things don't have to be perfect. I'm still doing a a pretty good job. And I do like to think as Karen said that I have a pretty awesome kid. So I'm just trying to enjoy her. She's only four and a half. So just like enjoy her and and just be like, you know what, you're doing a good job. You're doing Mm. kind of the best you can, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. That is good. I am trying to bring a good time vibe into this year ahead. This last year was so stink rotten awful, like no good, terrible rotten year. But in spite of that, like amazing, amazing things happened to me in my life that 20 years ago, I never could have imagined. Like I never could have imagined I'd write a book, never could have imagined I was going to have kids, like all these great things that I really didn't think were in the cards for me. So I'm only bringing good vibes into the year ahead and I want to have fun like the year was so heavy I just want to go and like have a blast and make out with my husband and overeat at restaurants and order that next round of drinks and buy the shoes and do all the things I'm just going to have a blast off good time nothing can stop me nothing I love that so a couple of really good perspectives I think for the current situation but I love how you both said Congratulate yourself on doing the best you can. And at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, as long as you're healthy and happy, then that's all we can really ask for. Thank you for sharing that. Let's dive into chatting all about your book. It is all about weddings. So it's ditching the rules, really letting couples feel like they can reconnect to themselves, their own values, and not so much feeling that pressure to society and those traditions you must do this you must do that before we dive into the actual content of the book I would first of all love to hear what inspired you to write this book all those things that you had mentioned were really underpinning why we wanted to write this book it was the do this do that business of it like Michelle and I got married about six weeks apart from each other we were in our 30s we were women with careers, we had mortgages, like we had a really strong sense of self. 
-hmm. And yet from the minute we got engaged, this industry was bossing us around and telling us like, well, it's gotta be like this. And, you know, there might be some slight variances. You might have candelabras or you might have mason jars, but beyond the decor, your wedding is probably gonna look like everyone else's. And, you know, all the trappings of a Western wedding, the bridal party, the outfit, the vows, like it seemed pretty uh, one-dimensional. And we just wanted to question why that had gone unchallenged for so long. So like most ideas, it was hatched over a couple of years on a patio and we were going to self-publish this book. And then the more people we talked to, it just built up momentum and we got a book deal, which is amazing. And here we are. That's yeah. amazing. So coming from would, that personal experience that you've had, it's just really special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would just add, like, we also just really, we, f- we found that we really love like we love love. Karen and I are both like super romantic people at heart, but we realized that we didn't want our weddings to be a certain way at the cost of like our sanity, our relationships with our friends and our family and our relationships with ourselves. Like Karen said, like we were both, we both identify as feminists and yet this industry was telling us who to be and how to look and all of these things that just didn't vibe with who we were. And we, we talked to a lot of people that were getting married around the same time as we were. And we realized that we wanted to inspire people to feel holy themselves when they decided to get married too, because, you know, Karen and I did things how we wanted to do them for our wedding, but you know, there were still, for me, there were still a few things that I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Or like, maybe I didn't have to placate that person or whatever, but I still feel like, I still felt like myself on my wedding day. And I know that there are so many people out there that don't, and we just didn't, we want to try to inspire people to be able to push back against that idea that they have to be something that they're not on the day that they get married. Absolutely. It's a really interesting how you've said people feeling like themselves because there can be all of this pressure and preparation. And then you hear so many people say it went past so quickly. It was all a blur. I hardly remember it. It's this, it's that. So it's kind of crazy, you know, all of that preparation and stress. And to then you get to the day and you don't actually savor every minute and enjoy it because it's just, there's so much buildup. I think it's really important that people start to actually think this is our day. What do we want? You know, what's true to our values and and so on. And that's really yes. important. I think we'll talk about this further down, but I just wanted to mention it now. I loved one of the points that I was reading that bringing it back to the values of the couple themselves. So what's important to them? What's, what has special meaning to them? So really making sure it is about you. The core foundation of the day really should be about the two people that are joining their lives essentially on the day. I'd love to talk now about the actual process of writing this book. So once you had that conversation, you were thinking, yep, let's do this together. What was the next step you took to actually start writing the book itself? We put a pen to paper. We didn't really waste time. So we, we had this germ of an idea and the more people we spoke to, we realized like, okay, we're, we're definitely onto something here. Mm-hmm. So we just figured we would write this piece and self-publish it. We were pretty committed to just writing it and mm-hmm. really didn't think too far ahead about the process. But then we, I forget the expression, but like luck happens when opportunity meets hard work and preparation. The stars were just really aligned and a friend put us in touch with our 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 agent, Calvin, hey, Calvin, who then went out and secured a book deal. And that all happened in the course of 
couple months. It happened pretty quickly. And then we, you know, took a year or so to write it. The pandemic happened. So the book needed some, some nips and tucks and adjustments in light of that. But it was a pretty intense year. Yeah, I'd say to write that. It seems to have happened pretty quickly too, which is a bit of a whirlwind, no doubt in the middle of a pandemic. We, I mean, we had, when we first came up with the idea, it was probably about five years ago, but as soon as we, and we had written, you know, a substantial amount of the book when we met with, when we met our agent, but then, yeah, once we signed with him, we went through like different pitches and he really helped us kind of hone in on what we wanted the book to look like, which was really helpful. And uh, sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear my four-year-old in the background, but we, yeah, we worked with him and that then got the deal. And then things started rolling like pretty quickly. And we've talked about this before, like the process of writing the book was really interesting for both of us because, you know, we've both written more like short form stories. Like Karen was an etiquette expert for one of the major newspapers in Canada. I've been, you know, a fashion and beauty journalist for almost 20 or over 20 years now. So like we've written, we're writers, but mm. writing a book is a very different beast. Putting, you know, as Karen said, putting that pen to paper, there was some moments of imposter syndrome as well. Like, who are we to, to write a book? Like you have to really kind of bolster your ego and be like, well, people want, people will need to hear what I have to say. So you have to kind of, you know, put that into your brain as well. Like that, what you're writing is important. And we did think it was important. Like we do really obviously stand by the book and we really believe in what we wrote, but yeah. And then having, you know, the goalposts kind of kept moving where we, we handed in the manuscript and then it was, oh, we had to work with a structural editor and then there was the copy editor and then there was the final, final like proofreading and all that stuff. So it was a bigger process, I think, than we, than either of us both realized, but it was, you know, I don't, we wouldn't change it. And, and I think we're really happy with how the book turned out. And there's so much to touch on in the wedding industry, you know, like a second edition for sure could happen. Another book could happen. We'll just see, but yeah, the writing process was definitely a big learning experience for both of us. I would say. That's really interesting. You mentioned you have over 20 years as an editor and then currently both writers. So you're definitely in the industry. So in terms of a learning curve for you going through the process of writing and then working with publishers and things what do you think was the biggest thing that you've learned or the thing that sits with you now that you think wow I can't believe I've learned that and I'm so grateful even though that's your career what, what stands out for me personally and it's something that I learned with school as well because I'm writing a lot of papers these days I used to be a big procrastinator and you can't really procrastinate when you're writing a book, um, especially when you have a co-author. So you have someone who's going to keep you honest. So I personally have really learned to just write little bits and then go back and edit. Like I have to realize that it doesn't have to be perfect prose coming out of my fingertips while I'm typing. It can be a little bit messy and then I can go back in and, and fine tune it from there. Yeah, that was a hard lesson for me to learn a little bit, but it's definitely come in handy both with the book and with school. Mm. I'd say for me, the biggest lesson all the things that Michelle said, I enthusiastically agree with having a coworker, like it turns it into a project, right? Like Michelle is basically like my other marriage. <laughs> like you're, <laughs> you're in business together. You're like, you're building this thing together. It's, so that, that requires a lot of respect and hard work, like any good relationship. The piece that I found most difficult as a writer 
was how to, how to give the book academic credence. Like we, we mm. go deep on research. So we, we didn't write this book just like a, you know, a couple hundred pages of a journal entry. Like we have robust research that's gone into this. So how to write it from an academic lens, but make it super fun. Mm. I didn't want it to be a boring, just examination. Like it's not an anthropological book. It's got that. And it's got some, we hope to be really interesting socioeconomic pieces, but we wanted it to be really fun to read. And we wanted it to have really good service journalism, like the same way that Michelle and I would write for a magazine or a newspaper. So that as couples are reading it, they're like, cool, this is a very good tip. I can do this tomorrow. So balancing those two sides of writing, I found really difficult, but really rewarding. The, the fact that the book's got those two elements to it. So it's super relatable. It's fun. You want to pick it up and you want to read it, but then it also has the research behind it. So it's not just literally a journal entry. It does have those statistics or all those facts behind it to support the fun side of it as well how you've said their procrastination as a writer I experience it myself you procrastinate and you overthink and but sometimes you just have to get it out and then you can come back edit it later but sometimes just getting it out that first step is what you need to do stop that procrastination so I completely understand that side of it as well. Now, diving more into the actual content of the book. Sometimes weddings, or at least society's expectation of what a wedding should be, it hasn't always evolved to keep up with how modern couples and marriage as a union has evolved. How do you tackle this topic in your book? Exactly what you said, Haley. So the idea that the wedding industry hasn't evolved is really the core of our book and the core of essentially what our thesis is, because we have these ideas in our head based on advertising, Hollywood, media, about what social media now as well, about what a wedding should look like or has to look like. And unfortunately, that lens is very narrow. That lens is very white centric, very, you know, cisgender, heterosexual couples, thin, able-bodied there. It's a very, very narrow lens. And as we're seeing in the world today, like we're in a bit of a reckoning in terms of identity and who can be themselves and how important it is for us to be ourselves and to feel like ourselves. So if in any way we can help people feel like they can be like themselves on their wedding day, that's kind of our little act of rebellion in a wedding industry or in an industry that has such a narrow view of, of who fits a certain mold. And also what we found in our research that was really interesting for both of us is a lot of these traditions, and I'm using air quotes around the word tradition, they're actually not that old. So if you look at the idea of like the diamond engagement ring, like that's a post-World War II construct that came out of a really brilliant marketing campaign from De Beers that they just wanted to sell more diamonds. And it was a way, and they actually started seeding Hollywood starlets with diamonds as a way to get people really into diamonds. So that was one of like the OG influencer campaigns, if you look at it, right? So what's really, you know, that's just like, that's only been around for, you know, just over a hundred years, but yet we, we eye it with this 
kind of, you know, we have stars in our eyes when we think about the engagement ring and how romantic it is to be proposed to. But Karen has said this a lot in different interviews that we've done, but when you're, the idea of a guy getting down on one knee, proposing to a woman with a diamond ring is the woman has no part in that. She doesn't get to have a say in the idea that they're that she wants to get married as well, that it's a partnership. She has no say in what the ring looks like, essentially, you know, and it's just, it's not really a partnership. It really places the onus and all the pressure on the guy to create this elaborate scheme or proposal in order to, to impress the woman and now to impress social media, because we know it always lands up on the gram. So yeah, it's, there's just a lot to it that really needs unpacking. And we get into a lot of that in the book. There's definitely more that we could talk about for sure, but it just really was in need of an overhaul for sure. I would add to that Haley, that not a lot of space left for people that don't look like a cake topper, right? Like what about same sex Mm. couples? What about non-binary couples? It's a really long list of people that feel othered by the wedding industry. And uh, Michelle and I happen to be heterosexual, cisgender, white women, but uh, that doesn't mean that we can't make space for people that don't look like us and don't live our lifestyle. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of those traditions that you've touched on, most people probably wouldn't even know how they started or where they come from. So even just learning that within itself, it makes you think more, think differently about these sort of traditions when it comes to weddings. Yeah. And education is empowering. Like mm-hmm. we want, we want to show people where these traditions stem from so that they can then make an educated decision on whether or not it's something that feels right to them to include in their wedding day. It's not feeling that pressure. Here are the 10 things you must have, like really just removing that pressure and that false expectation when you really think about it your wedding can be whatever you want it to be so empowering people to be educated but then also feel confident that yes they can actually do that the next part is this is a very important part and that's the budget for your wedding again this is something that probably causes people a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure we won't give away these tips (laughs) or too much advice because it's all in the book but why did you feel like this was an important thing to include in the book and you do give hacks and tips and advice for people to get the most out of their budget for their wedding for those things that they really want to include so tell me a bit more about that part of the book 100 so this is something that I'm so passionate about talking about because it's Weddings have gotten so out of touch with reality and what people can afford. And at Mm. the end of the day, someone is footing that bill. So whether a couple is going into debt to pay for that, or they're hoping that their parents pay for that, or I've, I've heard of couples saying like, well, you know, if people will give us cash as a wedding gift so we can at least break even. All of that begs the question, like, why have weddings gotten so expensive in the first place? And why do we do that? So to dovetail what Michelle said, there's something about the proposal that it's sort of assumed that that's men's business, but then the planning and the budgeting is apparently women's business. Like when you flip through a bridal magazine, there's the tear out sheets, the budget worksheets, the sample budgets. And in our book, we really uh, were very deliberate in not prescribing a budget because I don't know if someone has $5,000 or they have $50,000, it's not my business. But what we do advocate for is rather than jump in with your wedding planning with a budget, you should first start with your life budget. 
So mm-hmm. most couples who are starting out together probably jump in with their wedding planning as one of the first financial conversations that they have as a couple. And they really have to get honest with themselves about like, what are their short-term financial goals? What are their long-term financial goals? Do they want to travel once a year? Do they want to buy a home together? Do they want to have children? Do they want to buy a car? Like all these things. So have those conversations first, get really solid as a couple on what your financial goals are, then start looking at like, okay, how much money do we really have to plan for a wedding? Mm-hmm. And if that means you don't get married this year, maybe you delay because you need to save for a couple of years. Cool. That's the responsible thing to do. You mentioned that we have a couple hacks in the book. I'll share one because it's one that I, I did for my own wedding, but there's, you know, sort of a tacit wedding tax that if you get a cake, it costs one price, but if you want a wedding cake, it costs another price, right? Or mm. if you want a black cocktail dress, it costs X. That same dress in white is going to cost you Y because it's a wedding dress. So one of the things that we encourage couples to do is when they're looking at you know, their venue or they're looking at their catering or their photographer, as you're pricing out different vendors and looking at who you might want to work with, don't tell them it's a wedding. Just say, you know, I'm looking for a venue for this date for eight hours, whatever, or I'm looking for a photographer for this Saturday night from this time to this time. Can you give me a, can you give me a quote? Mm. And it allows you to get a sense of what is their sort of like brass tax quote without any wedding markups. And then, you know, at a certain point in your planning, you confide, you share that this is in fact a wedding and see if their price changes. If it does, I would say vote with your wallet. Don't, don't work with someone, right? And it just sort of strips away any potential markups and keeps vendors honest too, which I think couples need all the help for making their budget go as far as they can. That's such a good tip. I would never think to do that. So, but it makes sense, right? It's, it, it really does make sense. And it keeps, it keeps the industry honest, which is yeah, really right. important. Yeah, exactly. You know, some of my, my favorite kind of like wedding hacks ones we've talked about quite often is, and my, I think my husband and I did this as well, like really looking at what's important to you on the day of your wedding. So whether that's florals, food, photography, attire, having those kind of buckets be where you focus your money on, obviously making sure other things are taken care of, but, but figuring out kind of what your priorities are And what will make you and your partner most happy on your wedding day. So for myself and my husband, it was like, we definitely wanted really great food. Definitely Mm -hmm. wanted a lot of booze to have fun with our friends and family. Mm -hmm. And our outfits were kind of, you know, one of the things that we focused on. And that meant we ended up using decor that we, which also this is kind of another budget hack, but we reused decor. So Karen and I jokingly talk about this, but we call them the sisterhood of the traveling candles because between our Karen, myself, and a couple other of our girlfriends, we reused candles and vases. So they went through all of us and they were at all of our weddings, which we think is actually pretty awesome. So just, yeah, the idea of like looking on being a little bit industrious and looking on like Facebook marketplace or any sort of online marketplace for gently used decor items that you can use is a way to kind of save some money and also have some unique items. Like our, the centerpieces at our wedding were essentially just mirrors sitting in the middle of the table with candles on top. And it really like added this cool, like warm candle lit atmosphere to the party. So 
you can get really creative without going into a lot of debt in our mm, opinion. Definitely. And I think too, it creates those extra special personal touches like sharing the candles or the vases. Mm-hmm. That's a special um, memory that you will have as friends uh, yeah. forever. That's, that's a really special extra element to your wedding. Let's chat now about some common obstacles when planning a wedding. So they can get quite overwhelming. There's, there is a lot to think about. But do you have a real story from a couple that comes to mind who have overcome the challenge? And it may not be so common. It could be something that was really unique to them. But how they overcame that together during their wedding planning. This, this is not a happy story. But we, we open up the book by telling the story of a couple that we, we interviewed for the book that had a destination wedding and things were moving along really swimmingly, but they were butting up against some challenges with their in-laws or their soon-to-be in-laws. And that was putting major strain on the relationship with their fiance, mm. which I think we can all agree, like when we talk about the stresses of weddings, aside from financial pressures, it's often relationships, whether that's the relationship with our our new partner or wanting to get off on a good foot with our in-laws. So this bride, she admits, she, she said she went along to get along and she paid for it in the end dearly. Her in-laws basically had the wedding of their dreams. She really didn't get a say. She was like a sobbing mess on the day of her wedding and really didn't feel like it reflected who she was and got things off on a really sort of stressful, tenuous note with her in-laws. And fast forward years later, she really doesn't speak to them. So I think I'm I'm sharing that example because I think it's one that is pretty relatable, albeit it's an extreme example, but I think it puts a really fine point on the importance of playing a long game. So it's easy to get swept up in your wedding because it's super important. It's a major life milestone, but your relationships are going to outpace your wedding day. Your wedding day is, you know, six hours, eight hours, maybe it's a weekend. Your relationships are going to follow you for the rest of your life. So really trying to put into perspective how to, how to prioritize those relationships. And it might mean having some hard conversations, might mean letting some things go, but it's really, really important stuff. And unfortunately, you know, you're not going to read about that in a glossy bridal magazine that's trying to upsell you on things for your wedding. Mm. That's the cold, hard truth. The first thing that came to my mind listening to that was it's counterintuitive to why you're getting married in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's because you love each other and you want to spend your life with this person. And then all of a sudden it becomes stressful, expensive. It can have a detrimental effect on your relationship. It's it's really kind of like, well, why are we even doing this? Because it's turned into this negative thing. So it is really, really important. And that's great advice that you've given. You're certainly not going to find that in a bridal magazine. So it's a really <laughs> good reality check. And it's, I think that also really ties nicely back to how we were talking about being true to your personal values when you're planning, you know, your wedding. So what tips do you have or advice do you have for couples trying to avoid getting swept up and just really staying true to that fundamental bond that they have and then what's their true values yeah I I really love I don't know if you know Brene Brown she's a researcher and psychologist and she has this idea of a strong back a soft front and a wild heart and I think in this instance I think it actually is really it really plays really well to being able to 
have conversations. Like we, Karen and I advocate a lot for communication and negotiation in the book. And that goes for relationships with family, friends, your partner. So just really honing in on your good communication and negotiation skills is really important because then you can have conversations that have meaning that are, you know, amicable, but you can also then be assertive and being assertive doesn't have to necessarily mean being cruel or demeaning. It just means having proper conversations and communicating your ideas clearly. So we use this example in the book. We speak with a negotiation expert to help kind of walk us through how to have difficult conversations with like a parent who has a really big idea for the wedding. So say, you know, you come from a religious family and your mom is like, you know, you have to get married in a church. So the negotiation expert really recommends like, just asking questions of your parent and saying like, why is that so important to you? What will it change about the day that we want to have? And just seeing if there's a way to help illuminate for them, why that's not as important to you and, and helping to show them that, you know, just because maybe the wedding is not in a church, doesn't mean it's still not going to be super special and super Mm -hmm. romantic and all that stuff. So really just, yeah, having that soft front in terms of being able to listen to why people have certain expectations or to understand where someone's coming from when they're giving you perhaps unsolicited advice, but then also having that strong enough back to say like, you know what, we really appreciate your input, but that's just not for us. Because at the end of the day, like your wedding is yes for you as a couple, but you're celebrating it with the people you love and you want to continue those relationships post-wedding like we've we've heard stories of people who are like no longer friends with someone who was supposed to be in their bridal party because of something that happened Mm. like you really want to these are your you know your core relationships and you want to keep them keep them safe Mm, absolutely because that's what's most important at the end of the day Yeah. yeah what's next for the both of you ladies what's happening can we expect another book on the way for the rest of the year what's in the works what are you focusing on so yeah as Karen mentioned I am in school I'm studying to become a psychotherapist so I'm just wrapping up my second year I'll start my third year in September so school is a big thing for me and then yeah just continuing to promote the book the book came out in Canada on April 20th and it comes out in the US on May 18th. So just trying to get the book out to as many people as possible. And I think ideally, yeah, we could hundred percent do a second book, maybe give Karen some space between this, the book baby <laughs> and her actual baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a second edition or perhaps a second book. We've already kind of half jokingly discussed some ideas that we could do for book number two. So it would just be us actually finally taking the time to sit down together and mm. and put pen to paper and see you know if there's something else that we could spin off from this but yeah 100 i'm gonna have my hot girl summer fully vaccinated in <laughs> best best summer i'm gonna drink champagne with michelle and give her a big sloppy kiss because we yep. we live in the same city but we live on opposite ends of it and because of this year-long bloody lockdown i haven't seen her nearly enough and yeah i think there's I think there's really something to this. Like I, I was really interested in the, this sounds a bit, I don't know, pinch your nose, precious, but I was, what started my interest in the book in addition to getting married was also this academic interest and the performative nature of weddings. Like why do we still perform proposals the way that we do when it's not reflective of like modern, you know, 
shared valued couples and equality and relationships. We still perform these things. So I flirted with the idea of going back and doing a master's thesis on this. So I, I don't know, after writing the book, I felt like, oh, I'm so over the subject. I definitely don't want to do this. But now I've had a little bit of breathing room and I, I'm taking a course right now at my alma mater, York University, and I'm really interested in academic study again. And Michelle also mm -hmm. is you know, a really good influence on my life in that way too. So who knows, but there's certainly no shortage of things to unpack. So we're really excited for opportunities like this to just have really interesting discussions with smart women and talk about like, why are we getting the way, why are we getting married the same way that our grandmothers did? Like, mm. how can we modernize this and make it relevant for us? So I think we're just scratching the surface. It's really exciting. Yeah, it is super exciting. And I'm about halfway through the book and yeah, it's, it's such a thought starter. Like it's, mm. there's so much in there, as you mentioned about society and why we do the things we do and these traditions. And so, yeah, it really does get you thinking more broadly than just planning your wedding, which is, it's super valuable. And I think too, it, it's going to go a long way to empowering women but also men as well so it's definitely a great read and there's there's a lot a lot in there so congratulations on writing a fantastic right. book and where can people purchase your book where can they find it yeah oh my god well thank you for saying all of that that's you know that's what we were hoping for the book and and to have people understand where we're coming from with it is just really really meaningful. So purchasing the book. Yeah. So if you check out our Instagram, we created an Instagram handle for the book and it's just at the new wedding book, no punctuation or anything, just all one word. And in the link, um, in our bio, we've created like a campsite link where you can catch up on all the like media appearances that we've done and then also where it's available. So it's on Amazon in Canada. There's Indigo books, which is a big bookseller here in Canada, Barnes and Noble in the U S for any U S listeners. And then we'll just keep updating for any new smaller bookstores that start carrying it as well. Thank you for joining me today on the show. I've really loved chatting all about your book, but also how you mentioned it's just scratching the surface really on so many important topics for us. So I look forward to mm -hmm. finishing the book and staying connected and seeing what's next. So thanks again. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over and give us a rating and a review. Join the community and follow us on our official Instagram at Be The Girl Podcast. And also check out our sister site and Instagram and home of the podcast, The Daily Pretty, a knowledge and empowerment platform that has interviews, brand features, and a range of amazing reads across career, business, and lifestyle. Our online store and all of the podcasts details. Sign up to our newsletter to stay in the loop and for 10% off your purchases. Thank you so much and I look forward to speaking to you again soon for the next episode of Be The Girl podcast.